0: everyone and welcome to this week's episode of No Really I'm Fine. This is our special series of mental health against the coronavirus. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a bit of a weird week because we were originally supposed to put this episode out on a Tuesday. We have been coming out every Tuesday. We had a bit of technical difficulties. For that reason, we couldn't put out the episode on Tuesday. But now we are back and we are happy to share the episode with you today. And the guest today who joins me is Giles Paley Phillips. You might have heard of him. He's very vocal on Twitter. He's an award-winning author and he is the co-host of Blank Podcast as well. But not only that, he did an amazing thing last weekend. He ran a full marathon around his house in aid of the NHS. And his original target was supposed to be £1,000. Amazingly, at the time of when this has gone out, um, it may be a bit higher, but right now, the target that he has raised currently stands at £9,145. That is amazing. And Giles, you should be very proud. And he is hoping to get to 10000 so... Who knows, by the time that this episode is published, hopefully he has reached that target. He just wanted to say, because obviously in the episode that we recorded, it was before he did the challenge on April the 26th, now we are bringing this episode to you after the challenge and I spoke to him this morning and he wanted to add this, that it wasn't as tough as he had expected. And the main thing that got him going through it all was broadcasting live via his social media platforms, via Facebook, via Instagram, and via Twitter. And the kind words of support and seeing people popping up on those platforms to watch him, he says, was so lovely. And he says, apart from a couple of blisters, it's been a pretty joyous experience. So that's Giles for you on his challenge that he did last weekend. This episode is not just about the challenge that he did, you know, although it is an amazing achievement for the NHS at a time when they need us the most at the moment during this coronavirus pandemic. But Giles also talks to me about his background, about how he lost his mum at such a young age, how he's dealt with grief in his life and the other mental health issues he has faced. So here's the episode. Mm -hmm. On our podcast, we start off by asking all our guests, are you really fine today? So are you really fine today, Giles?
1: I am fine today, actually. Um, The sun is out um, down here. I'm on the south coast, a little town called Seaford, which is in between. The best way to describe it geographically is it's sort of in between Brighton and Eastbourne along the south coast. And the sun is shining very brightly. It's actually quite warm already, even though we're quite early in the day. And I'm not someone who necessarily uh, finds the sun to be uplifting. I'm, I quite like the winter as well, but actually today it's making me feel pretty
0: sprightly. Now, for those of our listeners who don't know you, you are a award-winning author. It's probably fair to say you're a mental health advocate. Um, you, you tweet a lot and you're also the co-host of Blank Pod and you're doing a very special Mission for the NHS at the moment, aren't you?
1: No, I mean there's several things I wanted to do over this period. Really, we've kind of changed the remit of blank a little bit, and we've been talking to various people about what's going on currently, rather than doing our normal, our normal kind of conversations. Um, so that was one thing we wanted. I wanted to do, um, and I wrote. Um, I've also written a story for a kids' audio system called Tony's, which was a way of parents being able to talk to their children about coronavirus in a sort of reassuring and comforting way. Um, so that was really important, something I, was something I really wanted to do as well. But the thing I'm doing uh, this um, coming weekend is a isolation marathon. Now, funny enough, I, I opened up Facebook today and on my memories, it's popped up the last time I did a marathon, which was in 2016. I did, I managed to do the London Marathon. And um, there's a picture of me smiling um, that my wife obviously took of me at around probably halfway. Halfway round the marathon, I felt really good. But what she keeps reminding me is that when she saw me for the second time during the marathon, which was around mile 20, I was not feeling so good. And um, <laughs> I, I was actually feeling pretty awful, so I'm just trying to stick to thinking about the halfway round the marathon me for our NHS. Um, so I'm raising money for the for NHS charities together by doing this isolation marathon, which is basically me running from my front door to my back gate 1,687 times.
0: That's a lot of air. Uh trips in and out of the house isn't
1: it <laughs> yeah um i have actually posted a video of me sort of doing a trial run and there are a few obstacles a sort of tight hallway going into the kitchen which isn't particularly big and then uh through our conservatory i'm hoping that we're going to move some of these things out of the way and then we've got kind of our gardens not it's got a bit of grass on it but it's mainly paved and a bit of shingle and stuff so there's a few obstacles along the way so I am gonna be um sort of wary of my ankles and my knees as I do it. But um do you know what it's just um something I really felt compelled to do seeing what's going on at the moment and if I can, you know, help contribute to the to the pot, as it were, in some way, then that was really what was driven me to do it, really.
0: The response has been amazing, hasn't it? Because you originally set out to raise a thousand pounds and it's it's well surpassed that, hasn't it? And it's more than four thousand, is that right?
1: Yeah, we're heading towards five thousand now. I mean, uh, I'm incredibly grateful to everyone. That's I mean, obviously, it's it's something that's touching everybody at the moment. Um, the, the, what's going on? So I think that is part of what's driving it. I think people, some people, just have a, are at a loss of what to, or what to be able to do at the moment. And I think why people have engaged with things like Captain Tom, and I know other people have done isolation marathons and. I think Louise Minchin had done a bike ride the other night as well in her house, so I think it's just people finding a way of helping when they when they're not really sure what they can do themselves. So I think contributing to to things that other or other events and stuff that people are putting on is just a way for them to feel like they they'll be able to contribute.
0: Talk to me about Blank Pod then for our listeners who perhaps haven't tuned in to your podcast. How how would you describe it? Blank
1: Pod started out with myself and uh, comedian Jim Daly, kind of around after a conversation we'd had, I'd been going through sort of writer's block, having sort of a, a blank period. That blank is obviously the, the 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 title of the the podcast, but going for a blank period in creativity. And I've spoken to Jim and he he's a comedian and he'd had sort of the fear of getting back into doing stand-up. He hadn't done it for a while and he was really sort of a bit petrified about getting back on stage. And so this idea around having a sort of blank moment creatively was kind of what started the podcast. But as it's kind of progressed, the idea of blank or blankness or blank moments or difficult moments, as, you know, we kind of look at them now, um, it can be so many different things to so many different people. I say when we started, it was kind of around creativity and we started talking to creative people, you know, actors and writers and things like that, but it's kind of as we've broadened the net around how many, what the sort of guests we got get on, we now have, you know, sports people, on politicians, business people, lots of comedians. Now, blank means so many different things. It it means public failure. It means social anxiety. It means grief. It means fear. It means imposter syndrome. So all these different things are now kind of under the umbrella of what the podcast is. Um it's a, it's a way of talking to well-known people about those difficult moments, really, which is kind of how it is now, really.
0: Do you feel the podcast then was a sort of natural progression for you personally to open up more about your blank moments?
1: Oh, absolutely. And Jim and I talk about this a lot, that our, our sort of weekly meetings with, well, you know, generally people that um, we're hugely inspired by and admire, heroes of ours sometimes that they've become sort of therapy sessions for us we we're able to sit in a room for an hour or more with a cup of tea or coffee and have very open discussions with people who on the surface we feel have got it together are successful and doing well and they are but at the same time they have the same neurosis the same um, anxieties and things that are make us all human and we were able to Empathise with them and um, have compassion for them, and they can feel the same about us. And so it's it's become yeah, it has really become like therapy for us, and why we continue to want to make it.
0: Tell me a bit about your background, then, Giles. I mean, I know you struggled with with some form of mental illness, haven't you, for, through your life? And your new book, One Hundred and Fifty Two Days sort of expands upon that doesn't it which came out in in March
1: yeah so a lot of my life's been really around um processing grief I lost my mum when I was six to leukemia she'd been ill for about three years but she knew she was terminally ill quite early on so it was uh it was back in the early 80s and I think a lot of leukemia treatments were still in their sort of early days and I think a lot of those treatments now are a lot better She had several bone marrow transplants and sort of some experimental kind of therapies and stuff that obviously weren't able to save her. So so losing a parent at a young age is obviously a devastating thing. And being six years old, I don't have huge amounts of memories of her, uh, just sort of fragments of things, really, um, and anecdotal stuff from from friends and family. Um, So kind of thrust into a situation where I had lost a parent and then um, had another parent, a father, who was uh, always fairly distant anyway, a big drinker, an alcoholic, actually, uh, who found the the whole concept of being a parent really quite a strange one, I think, um, probably quite a self-centred person, really. I like to give my dad some benefit of the doubt, I'm sure, he was finding the situation difficult himself. He just lost his wife. So, um, I think a a, a new normal for him was having to look after two boys, me and my brother, be a, be a breadwinner and all that kind of stuff as well. So, but he didn't take, didn't take to it very well. And so he was never really around very much. Um, so we were kind of shoveled off to our grandparents a lot and I had great grandparents, um, particularly my mum's, uh, Parents were, were great and we, we stayed with them quite a lot at the time, um, particularly at weekends, things like that. And and I would say my, my sort of maternal grandmother was really a big influence on my life actually going forward. But yeah, life never really adjusted very well to single parenthood. Uh, my dad had financial problems and we kind of ended up living in a one bed flat, the two of us sharing a room with my paternal grandmother. Um, in the other room and those times there at, in that single flat with her with my maternal grandmother are quite a lot of where the book comes from so 1252 days is 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 sort of a semi-autobiographical yeah but it's told in verse a lot of it is about those periods of my life but also the sort of I guess the sort of fictional aspect of it is that it's the char- it's, a, it's a teenage child dealing with losing a parent and a lot of it's also about um, I had um, pneumonia when I was about six years old and which meant I was pre- prevented me from seeing my mum because she was having treatments. Um, and also it's kind of apt for now really when we're in a time of, of self-isolation. A lot of the book is about isolation and not being able to see your loved ones because of through illness. And so um, that was a period of time that um, I've recalled in the book as well, although I was obviously a lot younger than the, the protagonist in the book is a teenager. So.
0: What made you want to write that now then, or last year?
1: I, I kind of started writing it about 12 years ago. I'd written a book of poetry and lyrics. I used to be in a band and I'd written some sort of pretty terrible lyrics and stuff and they were all kind of of around the subject of loss and grief and various other sort of angsty things and uh, I wanted to release them as a I sort of self-published them as a as a little booklet and um, sold them to sort of friends and family and the donations went to Dikim Research so it was kind of spawned from that really and after I got published with my children's books and I had a few books published I thought it kind of gave me the courage to have a go at this at this story again. and I I knew I didn't want to write it as a complete biography, as an autobiography. I wanted it to have sort of fictional elements to it. It felt like the right time for me. I felt like I was in a good place to write it. Um, I have a lovely family. I've got a wife and two children. I just felt like I was in a safe place to be able to tackle it. I think if I'd tried earlier, I probably would have abandoned it perhaps. Um, And actually it was difficult at times. I did have to leave it for many months at a time and then come back to it because you know sort of touching lots of nerves that hadn't been touched for a while um so yeah it was a difficult process but I I think I felt like it was the right time just because I felt like I was in a place where I felt comfortable to do it
0: when you mentioned about self-isolation before so you obviously had to go through some form of that when you were six with being away from your mum how has it then impacted you now then when you know coronavirus lockdown was just starting how how has that affected you personally?
1: I mean it's reminded me of that time I like I say I was sick so it's it's difficult to remember I do remember going to I had to have physiotherapy because I'd had a really bad bout of pneumonia and there's a lot of gunk still on my lungs and I had to go and have regular thera- physiotherapy sessions Um, in the same hospital that my mum was in so my mum would be in another part of the hospital getting treatments um staying in and then I would be going in and getting but I I couldn't go and see I wasn't allowed so it's kind of a weird kind of sort of slightly torturous kind of episode of my life but I I don't know it hasn't really hasn't really affected me emotionally but it has made me think about that time um certainly talking about the book at this time has brought up those memories. But I feel quite comfortable talking about it now. It doesn't affect me in the same way as it, like I say, as it would have done maybe some years ago. Um, I feel like I'm in a good place mentally at the moment. I feel okay to talk about it.
0: And how are you and the family then coping during this time at home?
1: We're actually doing really well. I have to say my children have been amazing. Um, They've adapted really quickly to the situation. They've taken on board. We've tried to be really honest with them, obviously. Um, It's not always easy to do that. With children you want to be reassuring and comforting we've tried to, we've always tried to be honest with them you know we've always been honest about um deaths in the family like when we've I've always talked about my mom and my dad and my wife lost her father um when she was a teenager so we've always been really honest about difficult subjects with our kids um so they've you know they've done really well and they've they've really adapted quick and I think that has helped uh my wife and I as well to adapt to the new new you know we've been able to get on with our, our routines and we've uh, we've put in my wife's teacher. So, you know, we've put in a bit of a timetable for the children oh, so that handy. they know what they're, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, for us as well, because um, she's, she's still, she's still working and I'm still working. I'm, I'm writing a book at the moment and I've got podcasts to do as well. So we're kind of all sort of scurrying around each other and trying to, to, to help the children you know, take it in turns, kind of tag teaming the homeschooling a little bit when we can. So yeah, so I think adapting has been has been fine. We're very lucky. We feel very, very lucky that we've got a garden um, at our house, so we are able to spill out there when we all need a bit of a break from each other. And the weather's been nice um, in the last few weeks, so we're still doing. You know, we we're able to go and have do exercise together. I think that togetherness has been a really lovely thing for us to be together more and to kind of become more in tune with each other. So I think there's been quite a few benefits to us as a family, I think, um, during the lockdown. There's quite a few sort of positive aspects I can take from this time. I think perhaps maybe we all needed a time to a, a pause, let the world pause for a minute, and maybe it's a time to, to reflect a little bit. Um, and I think that's certainly been something I've been doing. It's reflecting on you know what I'm doing what I'm doing going forward and how I can be with people that sense of connection that we've you know physical connection that we've lost we've having to make up in other ways by using technology but knowing that you know you how much you desire that connection and need it um it's kind of reiterated that a lot so that's been useful to have and I guess holding on to those kind of elements of it, really, the the more positive aspects of what's been going on, because obviously it's a a terrible time for so many people.
0: What would you say then to perhaps someone who's listening to this, um, a family who, or a parent who's really struggling with homeschooling at the moment, what advice can you give them?
1: It's hard to put in a routine, and I know our children might be slightly strange (laughs) in that respect. In fact, we talked to a neighbour only yesterday who was finding it a little bit difficult, and we'd sort of mentioned that we'd kind of established a, a routine with our two I think maybe I think children generally do like routine um I, I mean I'm not can't speak for every every family but uh, certainly our family enjoys routine and I think knowing what's coming next is, is is useful for children certainly they won't keep nagging you to know what's happening next which is you know less stressful so I think establishing if you can establish some sort of routine which I know is incredibly difficult at the moment. We're all on top of each other and, uh, you know, children are probably missing their friends a lot. Um, so that, that's difficult. But I think, yeah, my advice would be if you could, yeah, if you can put together some sort of, it doesn't have to be necessarily a structured timetable, but just some knowing maybe before they go to sleep at night saying, tomorrow we're going to do this or tomorrow you're going to do that. I think just knowing those things in advance is, is, is useful.
0: I don't know how you feel about social media in general, Giles. I mean, I love, I have a love-hate relationship with Twitter, depending on my mood. Um, But I've particularly found that it's become a much more positive place in a a way since lockdown has occurred. Would you agree?
1: Do you know what? I think even before that, actually, I think the stuff around um, the tragic death of Caroline Flack was definitely a, a moment where people started to possibly reflect a little bit on the way they were conducting themselves on social media. But yes, I think it's it's instilled that a little bit more in the current time. I think we are seeing a lot more positive. I mean, we are still getting political bio, but then we're always going to get that. But I think, yeah, there certainly is a lot more positivity um, being promoted, lots more positive sort of content. So like videos, you know, funny videos, Just you know, videos that can distract us, can take our minds off things. There's a lot more of that kind of stuff. Um, I think there is more being kind, hashtag, um, going on, which is which is great to see, you know, and possibly people realising that platforms like Twitter and Facebook and Instagram are you know, some of the only ways we can connect with each other at the moment. And actually, do we want to be horrible to each other Probably not, um, you know, and at a time when we are apart from each other and not able to be with each other, actually using those platforms as a way of connecting and staying together and rallying around is, um, I think, has become become more of the norm. But you still get idiots.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what? How do you f- personally feel then about Twitter?
1: I've always really, do you know, what, I have a very positive, I mean... Maybe I've been able to cultivate my own sort of positive echo chamber. But generally speaking, I find Twitter to be, uh, I mean, I see horrible things, but I don't generally experience horrible things. So, I mean, most of the people I follow or follow me are seem to be very, very lovely people. I have lots of lovely interactions. I've made long-lasting friends on there. My The podcast wouldn't be Um, wouldn't be what it is without Twitter. Um, My book wouldn't be in existence without Twitter. So there's all these things I can be very grateful to for Twitter, particularly Twitter, which is probably where I find myself the most out of all the social media platforms. I I like Twitter a lot, and I, I have been trying for several years now to try and change how people behave on there a little bit more. I've been proactively trying to be positive myself on there, and exude positivity and kindness I will continue to do that and and I just hope that you know more and more people use the platform um, for the way I see that it was intended for which was to connect with people.
0: And on your theme of positivity you've also created a digital care package haven't you for people can you talk to me a bit a little bit about that?
1: Yeah so that was another thing I wanted to really do I mean I've done it for a few friends before when you know I've had some friends that've been in Had a you know been having a bad week or a bad month or just not in good places and decided to just give them a digital care package with you know some nice things in it, just to you know, might be some garden vouchers and some nice mantras and things like that. And I just wanted to expand that a bit, really. That I thought there were going to be some people at the moment who you know are in need of a lift, in need of some sort of uh, nice things to do, and so. Um, I put together a Spotify playlist, and um, yeah, some some nice mantras, some um, some literature, some of my books for children, some coloring sheets. There's some virtual museum tour links. Uh, what else is on there? Some tips on sleeping to help people who are having trouble sleeping. So there's all sorts of different things in there that people can utilize if they wish. During this time, there's a quiz. I think it's, I put some quizzes in there as well. So yeah, there's, there's all sorts of stuff. But I just thought you know people might find useful, and it was just it was fun putting it together. To be honest, so it was nice to put it together, and hope that some people will make some use of it, and hopefully give them a bit of a distraction, which is kind of what I think some people need at the moment.
0: On the subject of sleep, then I've noticed on Twitter a lot of people seem seem to be struggling with the sleep at the moment, and um, my sleeping pattern's been all over the place i mean it is anyway just because of the the shifts that i do but i've noticed a lot more now I'm, I'm i'm waking up quite quite early um i don't know if if you've had any experience of that
1: i have a funny relationship with sleep i call myself a part-time insomniac uh because i have periods of awful sleep where i'm waking several times a night or not sleeping very much at all and then periods of really good sleep and actually even through the lockdown i've had I've had a, like a week of not good sleep and then a week this last week I've been sleeping really well. So it's, oh, having said that last night, I did wake up at three in the morning um, for an hour, but yeah, it's, um, I think a lot of people have been having unsettled sleep. I think possibly with heightened anxiety, generally, you know, your sleep is affected and I think obviously people have got on their minds, um, whatever situation they're in. And so sleep is always the, first thing that seems to be affected by those those changes from a personal point of view I've 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 always had a a funny relationship with sleep and it stems back really I think from you know playing in bands and stuff where you used to play late night gigs and and then the adrenaline's pumping around and used to find it really difficult to get to sleep and that sort of moved into not sleeping at all so, yeah, I do sympathise with anyone who's who's having sleep deprivation at the moment because um, it's a horrible thing.
0: And what advice then, Giles, would you give to someone who's perhaps really struggling with their mental health at this time?
1: I get quite a lot of messages, actually, in my inbox. I always leave my DMs open so people can... And I do often offer it up for people if they want to contact me, they can. I'm not a, a mental health professional or anything, but I think the idea around that someone will listen to you and that you can voice what's going on in your head i think it's really vital i've always tried to talk to anyone when i'm if i'm ever feeling in a bad place that you know talking is is really so vital if you can find someone within like a friend or family member or or even a stranger, someone maybe you've met on social media, if you can find someone that you're able to just let know that you're not feeling okay, that normally is a really good start to finding a way through it. (laughs) So I always sort of advocate talking if you can. But it's not always easy to do that. So there are other things that you can, you know, you could try to do. Um, I'm a big advocate of of breathing techniques. There's a brilliant guy called Wim Hof. He's, the, he's called the Iceman and he does a this is on a, a sort of a practical level uh he does a amazing breathing technique which you can find on YouTube it's Wim Hof breathing method I think it's called which I do whenever I'm feeling particularly anxious just out of kilter a little bit I'll take myself off to a quiet room and have a few rounds of doing these breathing techniques they've they're, they're really revolutionary, actually. His concept is around stress and depression being acidity in our bodies. And these breathing techniques allow our bodies to become alkali again. So it's just ridding ourselves of the acidity that's in within us. Big into that. And I think that, that always really helps me. And I think maybe, again, we said about distractions. If there are things that you can get your head into or or take your mind off stuff, I think that can be helpful as well, whether it's listening to music or writing. Again, it's another thing I do is often if I'm in a slightly darker place, I'll, I'll, I'll try and write, you know, writing yourself a letter, is sometimes a quite good way of putting down some of those thoughts. And when you can read them back, it's it, that can be very helpful. So, yeah, things like that. Little outlets. Um, if you've got an outlet of any way, of any kind, whether it be music or writing or exercise obviously is another thing which is, which is i know is difficult to do at the moment but yeah if you've um got a space you can do a bit of sport exercise that can be really really beneficial i think
0: and for our listeners who want to buy your book where where can they go
1: well most of the usual places i mean i guess at the moment if you want it quick if you're desperate for it you want it very very quick i would say probably those those big corporate Amazon people. But if anyone asks me on Twitter, I always direct them towards at Big Green Bookshop, which is a guy called Simon who runs the bookshop from his home in hastings and uh he will get you the book pretty quick and um he's great so big green Bookshop, if you're looking for it but yeah any 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 major retailers
0: Oh, well, brilliant it's been so lovely talking to you at last giles i'm a big fan and i, I do love your twitter because it makes me feel positive and you know you're part of that community and network that is worth going on twitter for so thank you very much for taking the time
1: yeah, that's so cutting i really appreciate it thank you very much